So this morning we're starting a brand new series. It was on social media. I hope you guys got the Facebook message to bring your Bibles today. Because uh, this is a training center. And so you have to bring your Bible. Pull out your smartphone, Tracy. Pull it out that bag. Nice to have your two friends here today as well. Let them share your Bible. The, the, the series is on Ruth. We're going to subtitle our series. And we're going to give it this subtitle, Boer Sukafrau. I like that. Boer Sukafrau. Someone asked me this joke. What was Boaz before he got married? What was Boaz before he got married? Ruthless. All right, I was wondering if you'd catch it. So it's not a tough crowd. Stay with me. My life. Starting this series on the book of Ruth. And for some of us, it's a real life story of what you are going through right now. Because the book of Ruth starts off telling us about a lady. Her name is Naomi. She loses her husband. She loses her two sons. One of whom was married to Ruth. And I think of a lady that Michelle and I met on Monday morning who, who met a man who she possibly thought she could spend the rest of her life with. Just maybe I can spend the rest of my life with this man and now he's gone. And the book of Ruth is a real life story for what she's going through. And for others of you as well, perhaps Ruth is a real life story of what you're going through right now. But sooner or later, you and I will all go through this story, this season of life, friends, because we go through incredible highs, and then we go through incredible times of brokenness and pain and grief. We live with celebration in one family at Freedom, thanking God for what He's done in Ian's life, and then we gather around a lady who's going through a very painful time, losing someone that was very, very close to her. And the Bible says, rejoice with those who rejoice, and mourn with those who mourn, and so we're going to take these two and we're going to allow these two to, to become part of our family culture at Freedom, where we celebrate the wholeness of God, and we stand by and support those who are going through brokenness and, and suffering and some real pain times. And it's so difficult as a pastor to, to try and wrestle and to, to try and understand these things, friends. Why does a good-looking man with, who's got so much going for him, why does God allow him to get that, to that stage in his life where well, he's so desperate and he ends up taking his life. Why? Why does God allow a champion coffee shop manager who we all know in Benoni, Jerry, who had a stroke in November and recovers and then Friday passes away? Why? Why do these things happen? Why does God allow a man who's waiting for his second kidney transplant, he's waited five years, Op happens a couple of days ago. Op's a great success. And now he's lying critical. Wow, why do these things happen? Friends, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the answers to this. But I do know this, that God is a good God. I do know that God is a good God. And in the book of Ruth, we see some amazing tragedy in Naomi's life. The book of Ruth starts with a funeral. And there's sadness and there's grief and pain and ends with a wedding. And we're going to trust that through this series, that if there are areas in your life that have died, if there are people who you have lost, that through this series, God is going to use the book of Ruth and allow his hand to come upon your life and somehow to turn the situation of grief and sorrow, turn it around in your life. 
Right now, there are people who are going through a tough time. I, I see couples sitting here who have gone through miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. Not just one, not just two. I see a, a lady here today. I think she's here. She's in her 30s. She had a stroke. And how she's busy recovering from a stroke and how some of you have just blessed her with a meal in Faramir these last couple of days. I want to say if you're in this church, friends, time is not a healer. We can say all things, things like, yeah, don't worry, time heals. Time doesn't heal, friends. I know that. There's a businessman in the church. Five years ago, February, his partner was killed in a motorbike accident. And every February on the 11th of February, his life dips because that was the day who, he, who his business partner had his birthday. Every 11th February, his life dips. Time doesn't heal, friends. Jesus heals. Jesus is the healer, friends. And maybe it gets a bit easier as time goes by, but Jesus is the healer. And I want us to take some lessons out of the book of Ruth. Boaz, this man, he comes and he cares and he protects and he brings in under his wing this woman who's going through a really rough time. We can do all sorts of things and we can say things. Just love people. Just love people. Just journey with people. Just pray with people. You don't have to say anything. Just love them. Just pray with them. And so we're going to look at the book of Ruth. Turn with me in your Bibles. Pull out your, your smartphone there with me to chapter 1 if you don't mind. What's Boaz? In, uh, what's Ruth in Afrikaans? Rit. What's Boaz? Chris, what's Boaz? Boaz. We'll call him the Boer. That's a bit easier. The Boer. Ruth chapter 1. In the, uh, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. If you turn one book back just to Judges chapter 21, the last verse in that chapter, can you see what that last verse says? Verse 25, look at it there. It says, in those days, Israel had no king. Say no king. No king. And everybody did as they saw fit. So everyone's doing whatever they like. There's an incredible sense of rebellion against any form of authority. There's no king. Everybody does whatever they want. And top it all off, there's a famine in the land. Does it sound familiar? There's an economic crisis happening right now in South Africa. My son's in grade 7. And they're doing all these fancy subjects. There's a same subject that they do called economic management science, something like EMS, they call it. Not PMS, EMS. <laughs> and so he comes home last week, he says, Dad, we've done EMS today, and we had a big debate in class, and we've all decided there's no coming back from this economic crisis. There's no coming back from this crisis in South Africa. And in South Africa, nobody wants to be told what to do. Everybody wants to do whatever they like. There's a... Husband and his wife sent their daughter to Varsity. And he shares with me how she drives to Varsity every day. They're protesting. There's no classes. He says it's a joke, Daryl. And he says he's starting even to fear for the safety of his daughter. Friends, if we live with this philosophy and do whatever we like, consequences are going to be horrific. Let's carry on reading. So there's this famine in the land. A man from Bethlehem and Judah with his wife and two sons went to live for a while in the country of Moab. So Moab, Moab. Just go to Genesis 19 with me, please. Guys, I really hope you got your Bibles there. I really do. Serious. I want you to bring your Bibles to freedom. Genesis 19 and verse 30. 
bit of reading here quickly. Lot and his two daughters left Zoar and settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Zoar. He and his two daughters lived in a cave. One day the elder daughter said to the younger, Our father is old, and there's no man around here to give us children, as is the custom all over the earth. Let's get our father to drink wine, and then sleep with him and preserve our family line through our father. That night they got their father to drink wine, and the elder daughter went in and slept with him. He was not aware of it when she lay down or when... She got up. I don't quite get that, but we'll carry on reading. The next day, the elder daughter said to the younger, Last night I slept with my father. Let's get him to drink wine again tonight, and you go in and sleep with him so we can preserve our family line through our father. So they got their father to drink wine again that night, and the younger daughter went in and slept with him. Again, he was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. I don't get this. I don't drink wine, but I don't know what's going on here. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The elder daughter had a son. And she named him Moab. Say Moab. He is the father of the Moabites today. So when the pressure hit, when there was no king, when we do whatever we like, when economic crisis comes, just like Elimelech did, we go to Moab. We go to an incestuous, dark, and evil place rather than stay with God's people and trust and pray and hope that God can provide Let's go back to Ruth. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of the, his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab, to this place, this dark, incestuous place. They lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite woman, one named Orpah, not Oprah, not Oprah, Lance Armstrong's biggest fan, not her, Orpah, and the other Ruth. After they had lived there for about 10 years, both Malon and Kilon also died, and Naomi was left with her two sons and her husband. This is a remarkable story, friends, about how God heals a woman from the loss of her husband, the loss of her two sons in a foreign country living under very bad decisions. And and famine is caused by many different things. I think famine firstly can be caused by the silly, stupid decisions that you and I make that causes famine. And I think secondly, famine can be caused in your life by somebody else's stupid, bad decisions that that they've made. And, And some of you are experiencing that right now. I heard about a man who committed adultery And he says, while he was committing adultery, he knew that the dog would bite him. He just didn't know how big the bite would be. And then he he says he had no idea that the bite would affect his whole family. And that that dog's bite, that adultery, would end up causing his whole family to live in the place of famine. The consequences of your bad decisions can be that your whole family is led into famine. And I think the third reason... Why we have famine is because it creates a platform for God to do miracles. In the land of uh, famine in Genesis 26, God says to Isaac, you must plant a crop in that very place of famine. And Isaac does it. He's like, okay, I'll do it. And in that place of famine, God produces a harvest, 30, 60, and 100 folds in that very place of famine. And sometimes life is tough. 
It's tough living here in South Africa now under these economic conditions where, where we, some of us are saying, we're not going to come back from this. I wonder, are these great seven boys ever going to get a job, man? It's tough. But at this very place, in our community, we're going to trust that God is going to do something miraculous. We've just sung it. He is mighty to save. And you come on a, ch- a Sunday to church, God, you are mighty to save. Tomorrow, when you read the news and you listen to 94, are we still going to say, God, you are mighty to save? On Tuesday morning, are we still going to say, God, you are mighty to save? When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord, verse 6, had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law who had lost their husbands, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back. Say that with me. The road that would take them back. I pray today that if some of you have wandered off to a dark place, if some of you have become cold, I pray today that you would decide to get back on the road that would take you back road that would take you back. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you find rest in the home of another husband. It's beautiful, eh? You divorced? You single? You lost a man who you thought you could possibly spend the rest of your life with? I pray today that you would find rest in the home of another husband. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Find rest in the home of another husband, Jesus. And you're sitting there saying, Daryl, I'm married. I've got my husband. Really? Yesterday there was a husband and wife that went to a meeting to go and discuss one of their kids' future. And, And the husband started to become anxious about finance started to become anxious about some other people that were trying to manipulate the system and get in and and pull moves to get in. And she sits and she says to her husband, let's rest in God. Let's allow God to make a way if it's his will. What was that woman doing? She was showing her husband that she'd find rest in the home of another husband, her bridegroom of heaven, Jesus Christ. Yes, she's married to that man, finding rest. Ladies, finding rest, because we're not perfect. Your husband, I want to say this, you won't find rest in your husband, because he's not perfect. At his best, he's not good enough. Find rest in your husband, the bridegroom of Christ, Jesus. Amen? Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud. They said, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons that could possibly become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me. Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, no, my daughters. It's more bitter for me than for you. Because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Say again. We've been going for 17 months at Freedom Church. And in these 17 months, there's been a lot of weeping at times. There's been a lot of sorrow. There's been a lot of sadness, a lot of death. But we don't live with the misery of never getting out of here. 
God will lead us. Friends, God will show us. God will help us to get out from this place of weeping. One of the commentators said that Ruth can be divided into four chapters. The first chapter is a chapter of weeping. The second chapter is a chapter of working. The third chapter, a chapter of waiting. And the fourth is a chapter of a wedding. Some of you are weeping this week. But with that comes the hope that God will take us on a road back home where Jesus becomes a healer. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, she said. Look, Naomi said, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go with her. But Ruth replied, do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be called my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. The whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman exclaimed, can this be Naomi, which means pleasant? This is her response. Do not call me Naomi. Do not call me pleasant. She told them, call me Mara. Call me bitter. Because the Almighty, say Almighty. Because the Almighty with a capital A. You see that? Say capital A. The Almighty with a capital A. Friends, we have to have a theology which says in our suffering... We know that we are still loved. I want to say that again. We have to have a theology that says, in our suffering, we know we are still loved. There's a prosperity gospel in Benoni that says, God will make me rich. God will make me happy. God will make everything perfect. That's not the God of the Bible, friends. And when we suffer, it's not God, where are you? It's not God, why don't you love me? No, friends. The presence of suffering does not mean the absence of God. Does not mean the absence of God. In the moment when you and I suffer, we give God the name Almighty with a capital A, Cody. Why? Just like Naomi did. I don't understand. I don't understand the suffering. But He is still Almighty with a capital A. He still rules and He is perfectly in charge. Even when you're in pain and when you're suffering and you don't understand. He has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty, capital A, has brought misfortune upon me. God has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. This is power. Say, as the barley harvest. As the barley harvest was beginning, they had no money, they desperate, but they come as the barley harvest was beginning. Friends, God's timing is perfect. God's not going to drop you. Gareth shared just now about that SMS coming through. They were desperate. They'd been going through this, this challenge for months. I heard about a businessman. And for a long time, for a year now, he's been wanting to leave, resign, and start his own business. And he says to me, Daryl, I can't do that until we sell our townhouse that we had as an investment. I've got to make a wise decision. I can't do this. And the house is not selling. Monday, he phones me after a meeting at his current work. And he's like, "I'm Daryl, I'm desperate now. I'm at my wit's end now. But I can't do this. Monday night, 8 o'clock, 
the estate agent phones him and says, we've got a signed offer on your townhouse. Friends, are you desperate today? Because I know some of you are desperate. Hold on. God's timing is perfect. They come back as the barley harvest is beginning. Friends, don't lose hope. Don't take matters into your own hands, friends. God's timing is perfect. Four quick reasons why we're going to study the book of Ruth. Four quick reasons. The first reason is simply this, because it's in the Word of God. It's in the Word of God. We're going to study Ecclesiastes. We're going to study Hosea. We're going to study the book Obadiah. We're going to study everything that's in God's Word. Why? Because in John 1 John 2, it says, I write to you, young men. I write to you, fire tag. I write to you, all you young guys, because the Word of God lives inside of you, and, you do, and that's why you have overcome the evil one, because the Bible, the Word of God, lives inside of you. Unless we study the whole Bible, we are not going to live in South Africa victorious under these horrific conditions, friends. We've got to study every single part of God's Word. And it's going to help us. For some of you who are going through that, that tough time right now in your life, when we face those tough times in our lives, it's going to help us to allow the glory of God to come in to our lives. But the book of Ruth is also going to help us in South Africa this time, as I said, where economics are a mess, varsities are a total mess, and we start thinking there's no hope. We're not coming back. We're going to have to study the Bible to help us live under these conditions. It says but the joy that God gives us cannot come unless by the word of God. Do we want to live in South Africa with joy? Come on. John 10, the word of God is unbreakable. People's hearts are breakable. People's testimonies, people fail, people fall. People's testimonies are breakable. The word of God is unbreakable, friends. Read the word. Read it with me. There was a time in my life where I didn't read the word. But since I've been preparing and, and preaching and spending time in the Bible, it's come alive to me. Read the word with me, friends. Listen to it while you drop the kids off on your smartphone. Read the word. Listen to the word with me, friends. We've got it. We've got to read the word. Second reason why we read the book of Ruth is because it's a love story. And it's Valentine's weekend. And, uh, yeah, who's your Valentine? Yeah, I mean, I gave my Valentine a present. You gave me some white chocolates on my pillow. They were okay. But, you know, I was thinking of my mate Rod. I mean, his wife blessed him with a special, special, specialized present for Valentine's Day. My life. Nice to have him riding his bike again. It's Valentine's Day. But we're going to sort that out, babe. We're going to have a little chat. We love love stories, don't we? We all love stories. Love stories. Romeo and Juliet, they've become a legend. Samson and Delightful, that's become a legend. And we love it when that redhead Prince Harry gets to fall in love with Meghan and marries her. We love love stories. You know, friends, some people in this church have never been anybody's. Valentine. And I've been searching to try and find that person. In this book of Ruth, you've got Boaz. He's this older guy. He marries an outsider. He marries Ruth. She's come from this incestuous background. She's been married before. She's used goods. She's got no kids. And God puts them together. And out of that marriage forms the seed of Jesus Christ. And you and I, friends, listen to this. In Revelation 21, it says, See, the bride comes out to meet her bridegroom. You and I are the bride of Christ. And so I want to say to you, friends, 
if you've never been anybody's valentine, if you've been rejected, if you've been abused, if, if you've been kicked out, if you've never got a valentine's card, then I want to say on this very valentine's weekend, friends, the bridegroom of heaven writes you a card and he says, will you be my valentine? No strings attached. Because some of you get gifts, but there's a hidden agenda. There's no hidden agenda from the bridegroom of Jesus who writes to you and says, will you be? my valentine if nobody looks at you nobody gives you the time of day they say this about you they say that about you friends jesus comes and he writes to you and he gives you love no strings attached and he gives you an inheritance it's a love story that's why we read ruth it's a beautiful love story and the third reason why we study the book of ruth is because it's a story about biblical manhood and womanhood you're going to meet a couple guys in this book of Ruth. You're going to meet Elimelech. This guy, you're going to meet Boaz. And then you meet another guy. This oak doesn't even get a name. Because he's a bit flaky. They say to him, will you pay to redeem Ruth? It's going to cost you. Will you pay to redeem her? And he says, no ways. I'm out of this. It's going to cost too much money. I won't do it. And then we meet this guy, Elimelech. He says God's his king. But when the rubber meets the toy, he ducks. He ducks to that land. When it's, when it's tough, when the rubber meets the toy, he's out of there. You see, friends, it's easy to say God is my king. It's easy for me to stand here and raise my hands and get lost in worship. And on a Wednesday when the kids have praise and worship here, I dance and I do a bit of flossing with them. It's easy to do that. But when the rubber meets the toy, what is my testimony out there? What is your testimony like at work, friends? That's where the rubber really meets the top. This book of Ruth shows a man of character, shows Boaz, shows a woman of character, shows Naomi, shows Ruth. When the chips are down, this chick, this lady, this woman, she honors God. She honors her mother-in-law. She works her heart out. She serves God she honors where she works. This book is going to challenge me. This book, I pray, is going to challenge you as we discuss this book of Ruth together. It's going to build our character. It's going to build your character as a woman of God. That's number three. And the last reason why we study the book of Ruth is because it's for the glory of Jesus. It's for the glory of Jesus. Not man, it's for the glory of Jesus. The book of Ruth starts with brokenness. And it ends with the lineage that comes out where Jesus comes out of that. You know what happens? Ruth and Boaz, they get married. They have a, a boy. His name is Obed. Obed has a son whose name is Jesse. And Jesse is the son of David. And out of David's lineage comes Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, friends, from the very darkest place that you might be in right now, maybe you're finding yourself in that season. If you study the book of Ruth, Jesus in a wonderful, magnificent way, can burst life out of your dark situation that you're going through in His glory. All of our stories, each one of us, all of our stories are woven with weeping, are woven with working. Our stories are woven with waiting. Will your story, will my story end with a wedding. Friends, I don't know if you've ever asked Jesus to become your bridegroom. 
If you've ever taken communion and said, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior, will your story end with a wedding? And I'm not talking about getting married here. Yes, that would be great. But a wedding one day where you stand face to face with your heavenly Father in the presence of Jesus, the bridegroom of heaven. I'm stirred today. Before Andy comes, let's just close our eyes. Weeping, working, waiting, and it goes around, working, weeping, waiting, working, weeping, weeping, waiting. God, today we stop. Is your, is your story going to end with a wedding? Finding rest in the home of another husband. Not just to the ladies. Guys, do we, do we rest? Or are we working and weeping and waiting? Are we resting in the home of another husband? His name is Jesus. Just put your hand up. You're saying, I need Jesus in my life. I need him again in my life because I'm weeping. Jesus, I don't know if there are hands up here. God, I pray today that you would meet people in your glory, bringing hope and encouragement and life as their bridegroom, Jesus. We stand with each other through these seasons of weeping and working and waiting but we rejoice until one day we stand in glory with you with a wedding, our bridegroom. In Jesus' name, amen.